Welcome is the wrong word, for this is not a place of honor. It's River Do's and River Don'ts, the podcast where we break down, for some reason, an episode of the television program Riverdale. We're going to go through an exhausting detail, and exhausting is a watchword for this episode. We give you our River Do, in theory, the thing that we liked. We're going to really have to smear the definition of liked across several important lines to make use of it in this one. Our river don't, something that sucked and made us the most angry, an easier task. And our weekly weird, that evidence of the chaotic and indescribable, some might say Lovecraftian creative process behind the production of this show. Ooh, mommy. (laughs) I'm Rob. I'm Quinn. I'm Arlie. And today we're going to be talking about Season 3, Episode 19, Chapter 54, Fear the Reaper, directed by Alexandra LaRoche and written by Janine Salinas Schoenberg and Will Ewing. And just a little preview for you folks listening at home. When this episode wrapped, I felt older and my tummy hurt. Yeah, um, this episode is some sort of soul-sucking device. It's a contraption. Yeah, I'm not certain... We're going to have to investigate. I cannot put my finger exactly on what is so wrong with this episode. There's not like a single moment that I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe how bad this is. This is anti-life energy in television form. It's, uh, I I imagine it's what it feels like to be slowly irradiated at a poorly regulated workplace. Yeah, and there's so much of it is the thing. And I'm sitting here, I know that we're about to start, we have to talk about what happened. <laughs> and I really don't want to do it, because it's so much shit. It's yeah. just so it is a lot of shit. much. I want to cut corners, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> I don't want to do it, folks! I don't want to do it! We don't even don't get make, paid for this. Don't make me go back and, I, in fact, just, why do we, I have to pay Podbean for this shit! Why do we do this to ourselves? <laughs> I, I mean, in uh, theory, we're having fun at some point during this process. We, we usually keep doing do. It. This one hurt me. It, it was bad. I, I didn't feel a particular way about it, except I did say to my roommate who was watching with me, who doesn't watch Riverdale, I'm sorry, we have to watch another episode after this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that good, was what I said sign. when the episode yeah. I, ended. I, I, you, had, you felt compelled to apologize <laughs> Yeah, to I was like, I know that you're tired, and I'm so sorry that I'm doing this in the living room where we both currently are. Rip to your roommate, I guess. Yeah, it's uh, okay. So let's, let's plug our fucking noses and dive in. FP and Jughead rush home to discover that Jellybean hath been kidnapped, with a G&G game being offered to determine her fate via archaic wax-sealed note. Already to me, I was like, the, the way this episode opened was so funny to me, because it's just two grown men yelling out the word Jellybean over and over again. Jellybean! <laughs> Jason! Which is, Jason! It's funny enough in context, it's really funny out of context. Yeah. And it's, it's true. Gladys, I note at this point, is either in on this kidnapping or is the biggest idiot in this town famously full of idiots for trusting a bunch of tabletop RPG tweakers to not do anything creepy or inconvenient. Yeah. Like, I think it's even, the latter. Even if you rule out the whole, like, devil's game that G&G is, 
like <laughs> if you've ever met a ttrpg tweaker in real life you know like you can't this just come on they're like possibly some of the least reliable people these are osr folks don't let your like tween daughter near them is what i'm saying yeah, so so she's she seems shocked that something bad happened with these with these <laughs> maniacs that she hired. I also gotta say, this is a, a theme that's gonna show up for both episodes. I forgot her name was Gladys. <laughs> I did too. I looked in the Wikipedia page. <laughs> she goes by Gina through the entire uh, summary that I wrote. Is that the actress's Gina name? Gershon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're all very smart, but I think this show makes every single one of us so much dumber. It's it's like disabling the safety stuff on your microwave and just standing next to it. <laughs> um, watching Riverdale is Charlie work. It really is. Oh, no, yeah. that that is demeaning to what Charlie work actually is. Charlie work is important. <laughs> what we do here is it's not true. important. It's simply self abuse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, watch us abuse ourselves, folks. <laughs> and people think it's funny. It's not even sexy. It's not. the self-abuse. <laughs> no, it's uh it's pretty bleak. Anyway, <laughs> at the world's most dimly lit hospital, Archie, Mad Dog, and Fred hear the bad news delivered to Punch Golem's family that he has died of. Oh god, I forgot being they were in a once. hospital. Yeah. Uh it's it's seriously so fucking dark in there. <laughs> it looks like the twilight filter just like as a room but yeah what the 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 guy who they said weighed 150 pounds when he weighed like 245 pounds uh has died of being mr randy g fuel ronson (laughs) yes there we go uh elio makes the astonishing comeback to their accusation of randy's blood being on his hands that no the blood is literally on archie's hands i think you'll find that the rule book states I couldn't believe that was written. That that was such a bad line and so yeah. obvious. And wow, he just said it. He suggests that Archie lawyer up. This is awesome to me because Archie broke out of jail. <laughs> yeah. We're really just like, it is clear from the lack of utter terror in Archie that we're going with the if you break out, you're free to go rule like that is the literal law in riverdale if you, if, if you break out time, of jail they are not allowed to put you back in if you Mm-mm. break out one time it's fine you just stay That's, out yeah you know how like uh the alanis morissette song ironic isn't about things that are ironic it's yeah. just about stuff that sucks yeah yeah um and so there's like morissettean irony there's yeah. riverdalian double jeopardy <laughs> and th- this legal concept is that if you escape fair and square you cannot get in trouble for that specific crime anymore yeah you proved that you're you know and since archie was in for murder he can kill anybody he wants with impunity mm, no, no i think it's the same murder i don't think it's quite that yeah like, no he'll, they'll try to put him in for this one well he didn't like, murder the same guy okay yeah that's that's fair that's... uh whereas like because they do seem point. at least moderately upset when serial killers show up every couple weeks so mm-hmm. we, we have to assume that that does remain illegal. So I do think it's literally the same instance of the same crime. It's not like you're getting crime merit badges or achievements that unlock this crime for for your playthrough. That would be a much cooler show <laughs> immediately. 
but I think most things you could do to Riverdale yeah, would just mo- make most it random a cool shit show. that we that we sleepily pitch to each other over this <laughs> Zoom call will be better. It's true. Uh, Gladys does a swear to me with Kurtz, uh, showing that she is in fact a big idiot who didn't think something bad was going to happen. Jughead suggests that they need to follow the rules of this forced G&G game because G&G freaks tend to be obsessed with following said rules and they can probably get Jellybean back. Uh, the Jones family literally sits down to play a one-shot GM'd by a detained criminal. And for once, I was, I was actually weirded out that the game was actually being played on the table as a game and not just a tortured metaphor for crime or a thing that is happening in a different part of the town that people don't know about. But that doesn't last. Oh, no, it does not. I just think it's really funny how Kurt starts the game. He assigns everyone their character classes. (laughs) And then he just looks at FP and says, you're up first. And it's like, that's not how these games work. You don't just go, all right, you. Yeah. In in that same thing, he he assigns, now I'm going to call her Gina on accident, but he assigns Gladys... uh, a character, and I don't remember which one it was. Oh, the alchemist. Goes, the alchemist. And you're it's the funny because drugs. It's funny because drugs. He says, I think, at the end of it. And I don't know why that was so funny to me. And I'm like, sir, are you the GM or not? Do you know what's going on in your game or not? You think? Yeah, no, that was very funny to me, too. <laughs> oh, you think, huh? Like, does that mean... Because to me, that invites, like, almost this metaphysical dimension to what's going on. Where, like, your relationship to your character class is almost, like, supernaturally enforced as a mirror of the things that you perform in the real world. So if he miss, He seems like he has mis... Like, there's this, like, subtle implication that if, if he misassigned her character class, that there's some, like, significance or jeopardy to that, which I think is fucking weird. Or that she ought to know... What right. her character should be and would be able to say, no, that is not what I am. I am this other thing. I also, when he said Mr. Jones, I thought he was talking to Jughead and not to FP. Because um, he said, Mr. Jones, you're the dead I like in high school. And I was like, Jughead is in high school and he's the Hellcaster. Oh, there are two Mr. Joneses in this room right now. I am yeah, very no, smart. There's uh, Mr. Jones Mr. and me. Jones and Mr. Jones. <laughs> two of them. <laughs> I was really hoping that wasn't going to lead to uh, Counting Crows, but that's okay. A fool's hope. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. do love Counting Crows. Anyways, that's not what we're talking about. Archie sadly. feels all guilty about not forfeiting the fight, as this somehow makes it his fault that Randy died, because he didn't want to forfeit. Uh, if you recall, he tried to tell the ref about the juicing, and the ref told him to fuck himself. <laughs> It, look, this is the uh, ref's fault. Like, I, there was so much bullshit. It's the fucking ref's fault. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, the guy actually doping. But yeah, in Archie's well, world, if your opponent is juicing, you must either immediately give up or burn in hell as a murderer. There's no other <laughs> choice. Yep. Also, I do want to point out here, listeners, how how far do you think we are into the episode? <laughs> oh, this is a fun riddle. I uh, it's less far than just, you think. Yeah, yeah. It's just just keep it in mind. Just keep it in mind. I have something to say when the title card comes up. Oh Jesus! I have something it to say when the title card comes up. He vows, does Archie, to never box again. And Fred looks like he's just glorious look on the on his face. Fred looks like he doesn't understand what's fucking going on in this show either. <laughs> Uh, and that's how the scene ends, is Fred just looking so very confused. confused. <laughs> Completely awestruck. Yeah. 
Um, I don't believe for a second this boxing ban thing because, like, I don't think that the writers are probably industrious enough to come up with another as useful excuse to have KJ Appa not wearing shirts. So I think that boxing is staying in the show is my was my call at this moment. Oh, for sure. Veronica and Betty visit Hiram, asking for a transfer, a prisoner transfer for Hal. Um, hopefully to a luxury cell with a view. Not only. Is this somehow the purview of the investor who has a private prison and not the legal system that assigns uh, sentencing? Uh, Hiram's in charge of this somehow. And he bites on this deal for what is said to be publicity? He also uh, goes, oh, the waterfront rooms? The waterfront (laughs) rooms. They're very peaceful. (laughs) Yeah, so there's a couple layers to this, right? Like, Because you would assume... There's a level to which, with the way things are, I could imagine Hiram hearing that and just going, sure, what the hell, it doesn't cost me anything, and doing it. But doing it for publicity reasons is like, wouldn't you like want the opposite of that? Like, you don't want to be like, oh yeah, we're bringing Charles Manson to the new prison with the beachfront rooms. It's, it's I'm pretty sure really that the rough. private prison game isn't a brand management business i don't no, think that it's, it's like not. a clout sure business I, <laughs> I mean let's circle back to that in three years but um yeah this was this was nonsense like this i i can't i can't even figure out a utterly thing about this like like yeah i i have nothing to th- this whole scene is just slathered in astroglide there's nothing for me to hold on to i just i just bounce right off i, I have yeah. no fucking i hate like, that I want um, you to know that I hated that. Uh, well, I, I hated this. So, hey, cinema verite or whatever. Art imitates <laughs> life, life, imitates art, uh, imitates my balls. Um, <laughs> Mad Dog calls Archie to inform that the cops are busting gyms for drugs. Uh, it is then time to hide or dump their drug stash. Uh, warrants? Fuck warrants. They both get arrested. The cops literally just break <laughs> out the door at Archie's gym. They're like, ah, you're arrested now, motherfuckers. Yep. Uh, now, now, I don't know if we've been really paying attention to what the rules of G&G are, but now it's a game where you pick one of three marbles out of bags and have to tell a secret, <laughs> have to tell a secret to the table if you pick the wrong marble. Have they ever at any point actually said what a rule of the game is? Because if so, I was not paying attention. No, but they've demonstrated uh, a lot of stuff and we've got cards, we've got coins, we've got dice, we've got marbles, like we've got LARP. <laughs> I I do think that there's one rule that we can understand definitively. If you die in the game, you die in real life. Because they don't actually play through on it almost ever. And that is flip for your fate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because most of the time you're not flipping. They just say choose a cup. And it's like, wait, I thought, okay, okay, sure, whatever. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, this this move, though, was bananas. Oh, you picked the wrong marble. You need to tell a secret. Uh, the rules just keep happening and changing. Gladys is forced to admit her drug dealing and FP understandably loses his shit. Uh, and then we get hit with the title card, folks. Riverdale logo comes up. There have been eight scenes in seven minutes. Oh my god. We are seven minutes into the episode. God. We are seven minutes into the episode and we have had eight different scenes. And you're oh not my, I believe. got that backwards. I thought you said seven scenes in eight minutes. This is worse. It's worse. Yeah, this is worse. Oh my god. 
you're not going to believe how late the title card shows up in the next episode, by it's the way. It's so bad. Um, the, they're just pushing these cold opens, like, deeper and deeper into the episode. Can it's you even consider it a cold open anymore? <laughs> it's just the first half. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes. Like, like, at one point, does a cold open stop? I think when you go past one scene, it stops being a cold open. It has to. That feels I don't correct. Know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Oh, Josie God. leaves her dad a message hoping to set up a dinner. Okay. Scene is 21 seconds long. Tony oh, tells Jesus. Betty Edgar plans to adopt Juniper and Dagwood after marrying Alice. Ew. Also, this, this scene was 19 seconds long. Oh, my okay, God. But this one ended with a, a bizarre musical sting. Yes! Yes! Like, it was so fucking weird. She drops the she drops the news that Edgar's going to adopt Juniper and Dagwood and it like you cut to Betty's face and it sounds like somebody dropped a grenade underwater. <laughs> <laughs> someone had someone was having fun, I guess. <laughs> somebody has to Whoever was doing sound design on this episode was having a great time because there's. A, I think a maybe that's the here. only team that has fun because you look at like if you listen to the foley and you listen to the music that they choose to use. I think maybe that's the only part of the production team that has any fucking fun on this show because <laughs> <laughs> the foley artists they they put their whole fussy into every episode. They oh yeah, really do. It's incredible. I'm Veronica, sorry for saying it like that. Okay. I'm yeah, done. it's okay. Veronica <laughs> pays bail for Archie and Mad Dog. This scene is 12 seconds long. You have to stop listening along the scenes or you're causing me to Don't worry. I, I did. I did at this point. My notes say, my notes literally say, I have to stop leaving a line after describing each scene in my notes because this goddamn document will be an unbearable staccato of single sentences. <laughs> At Pops, Elio is shown on local TV framing Archie as Randy's drug hookup. Uh, Veronica promises to dog walk that lying cad. I liked that line. I'm not going to lie. It was a fun line for me to listen to. Drug tests are taken and are clean. Okay, so they have a press conference to prove that they've got good piss. Yes, they do. They do. That is exactly what happens. Outside of Pops? Is it outside of Pops? Or is it outside of the gym? Uh, Excellent certified organic good piss. Good question. But, yeah, I don't but know. Anyway, they have this press conference. They're like, it's crystal clear. It's certified drinkable, uh, perfect <laughs> urine. These boys are stone cold sober. Uh, and there's a million cameras there, which is very Champion, funny. champion pissers, uh, Archie and Mad Dog. But this local TV spot is interrupted by Randy's family and Archie is slapped in the face to the horny delight of the TV reporter. Which well, was Alice. Alice. That was Alice. She goes, oh, I didn't even oh, fucking did notice. Okay, good. Alice, good job. Um, <laughs> Evelyn, it turns out at school, is an anti-vaxxer. Uh, she has apparently opted out of all, quote, elective medical procedures, which meningitis vaccination is now elective. But I, and then also, isn't that a college dorms thing, not a high school thing? But either way, it's weird. <laughs> Very strange, I also yeah. think it's funny. She said we don't believe in putting for or the farm doesn't believe in putting foreign substances in our body. And I feel like that could also, if you uh, take it to the nth degree, include food and drink. And I think maybe the and farm the uh, psychoactive that. chemicals that all of them use. Yeah, I think maybe yeah. you should stop putting foreign substances in your body, just you and Edgar specifically. Certainly, <laughs> tattoos 
could be considered that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. 100%. Yeah, some, some weirdos do consider it that. Yeah. yeah. Um, this scene, though, right? Because Evelyn gets kind of like pissy with the the school employee and says, you check my file. Like, she's like, yeah, you can check my file. It says no vaccinations for me Um, in <laughs> maybe the setup for just some of the laziest justification of plot happening that I've ever seen. Oh, man, this rules. Uh, Betty is overhearing this conversation and she informs the television audience that she intends on snooping. She like practically looks down the camera and says, well, this looks like a job for Nancy Drew, Betty Cooper. But the thing is, she says it so explicitly. She basically looks at the camera and literally says, check my file? I think I just might. <laughs> yeah, that's I that think is literally what happens. The line. Uh, and then she's doing the snooping in the very next scene. Yes. Meaning that her telling us that was completely unnecessary, but well, in, in, in just a further... A further decorative float in this parade of ways that Riverdale is just WWE. The, it's starting to just assume that like the audience doesn't even know what happened last episode or what stories are or like anything, and just like the most obscene, unnecessary handholding. That's right. That's what gets me because you can put together from context the look in her face, the swell of the music, like they used the music. You understand. <laughs> That that's what she's thinking? Stick with us, Riverdale viewers. I will do detective stuff in the next scene. To to the point that her saying that feels farcical. Yes. Absolutely. Completely, completely ridiculous. <sighs> Kurtz tells the Joneses to okay, rob Pops. Go ahead. I do need to point out, because if we're just skipping over Betty sneaking into the office, all the files are just in Weatherby's main desk for some reason. He's the principal. He's got to check in on him. As we all know, the principal is very important in these students' lives, as is hinted later on in this I'm, episode. It's just that I, I can't wait to talk about well, that. Well, he I joined the farm, did Principal Weatherby. And so the farm doesn't believe in foreign substances like locks. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like, I'm pretty sure that there's like legal and ethical things requiring them to like keep that information that's fair, but Secure. also the farm clearly doesn't give a shit about that. And as as I think we can, this is Riverdaleian HIPAA. <laughs> I yeah. think we can conclude now that the farm runs Riverdale High. That's that's yes. where I'm at at this point. Uh, more or less, yeah. Uh, Kurtz tells the Joneses to go rob Pops uh, Chocolate Shop. Never mind what I said about this being a tabletop game, by the way. Now it's it's back just mm -hmm. being like, go do crimes and I'm going to say some Renaissance shit at you. <laughs> Talking uh, about a jelly beans ransom. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's such a stupid lie. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, they broke. Fuck. Uh, just, <laughs> a jelly beans ransom? <laughs> <laughs> they called her princess Jellybean. Can't you just call it call it a royal ransom, a princess's ransom, a Jellybean's ransom? That that's fractions of a cent. That's it's so good. Do you know how many uh, jelly beans I can get for two dollars and fifty cents? Oh, God. I'm in physical pain. <laughs> At this point, 
I feel like they just started this at a tabletop with dice and a DM screen so that we could kind of remind the audience that G&G started as a send-up of Dungeons & Dragons because it's it's been so tortured in its use like at this point in the show that like it would be understandable to literally not remember what the game is yeah or what the game even originally pretended to be which is Uh more accurate yeah uh so that's that was crazy archie just soaking wet shows up at veronica's place (laughs) racked with more of this very weird guilt about uh randy do you think that archie is catholic you think that's why he's guilty about everything? I don't know. Maybe. No, I think I think we Mm-mm. established that um, Veronica's Catholicism makes her exotic, so I don't yeah. think so. Oh, I forgot that Veronica actually like it, canonically is Catholic. Yeah. No the the Andrews household is incredibly Protestant. It's got Protestant vibes all the way down. That's true. It that's does. True. Um, it does. Um, Archie. I don't know if, if this was just me, but KJ Appa was looking kind of old in this scene. Maybe it was like him <laughs> being wet. He just looked old and tired and like he didn't want to be here. Well, I mean, we're probably going to see more and more of that as the show goes on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they do also uh, have in, like 20-somethings playing 16-year-olds, so... Playing them for a decade. Yeah. Uh, They're somehow they... still like only in their sophomore year, I think. <sighs> Who even knows anymore? I don't. They brainstorm charity benefit ideas for Randy's family. Betty does... Oh, yeah. See, I'm not even putting lines between scenes anymore because they're so fucking short. <laughs> In a different place, Betty does the fake voice uh, telephone call thing, discovering that Evelyn has been repeating her junior year for over a decade, which is like a funny commentary on casting. But um, this, okay, but from a practical standpoint, this scene got to me because (laughs) why would you provide all that damning documentation? Why would you provide documentation that states that you've been going to school as a junior for a decade? That doesn't... Yeah, wouldn't you, like, change your name? You certainly wouldn't... You would have enough documentation otherwise, I would imagine, to simply hand over to the school. Because it feels like at a certain point it says, Oh, you went to this high school, and this high school, and this high school. Hey, you've been to, like, ten high schools. What's up? And this high school. (laughs) And this high school, and this high school, and this high school. And this high school, and now you're coming to this high school? I don't know. Like, okay, by the way, Quinn, you just did the thing where you said something enough times that it doesn't mean anything it anymore. It's like, sounding like a word. Yeah, it's broken. It's gone. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's presented in such a vague way in the show that I can't tell if this is something that Betty is aggregating from making, like, 30 phone calls, or if this is literally just there like it's just i mean i maybe she has to aggregate it because it wasn't just at riverdale high for her to look at on a piece of paper so maybe it's fine but like well, but she know. had like a lit i mean i guess you could make a list of all the high schools you're to call but it when she called she said we uh have something in our transcripts and we just wanted to confirm with you guys so that like gives the implication so that she has okay, all yeah the they have managed the they've schools. managed to depict like this is this is schrodinger's fuck you to the listener i guess is like they are depicting both that betty had access to all that information immediately and that she didn't because she kind of had to have that information to know who to call and like yeah as you said arlie uh we have this information on our transcripts and we're wanting to confirm it but that also means she doesn't have to fucking call them 
Because she already has the information. I and mean, like, one could argue that she wanted to just be very, very certain of what it was that she was reading, um, which because I otherwise, feel like is valid. Otherwise, the implication is that their record keeping is so bizarre that because she says, I wanted to confirm what grade was she in. So that provides to me this understanding that if she's not confirming it, they have documents that just say the name of the school and the name Evelyn Evernever. Yeah. And that's all I mean, that the certificates that she was looking <laughs> yeah, that's for it. say. That's all. It what, doesn't make any sense. I did transfer schools and I got put in the wrong grade. Like that has happened to me. Um, but that, that was one time. But 10 times. Yeah. Yeah. That was one time that that happened. It was cause I skipped a grade. So they were like, you're supposed to be in first grade. And I'm like, I don't do first grade. Leave me alone. And then they put me in second grade. Anyway. Um. But yeah, uh, <laughs> lest we spend too long staring into the face of the abyss here, the Jones family have family robbery time. <laughs> uh, inside Pops, Josie meets with her dad, who looks disappointed to see that his daughter has not yet become jazz. <laughs> a little callback for longtime listeners there. She wants to go on tour with him, as Riverdale is a small town, and Riverdale probably more operantly, is a bad television show that she doesn't want to still be on. <laughs> you can just see well, Ashley mm. Murray like, let me the fuck off of this show, please. I'm what's, begging you. What's even wilder here is that this is her taking the off-ramp to another show in the same universe. They just didn't make it far. Look. This, this, she was going to Kathy Keene. Look, Charlie Brown has got to try to kick that fucking football, Quinn. <laughs> But that got canceled, so she's free now. <laughs> like, so it's oh, actually yeah. good. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Joneses bust in, wearing their branded serpents jackets and snake masks. Oh God, I I wasn't looking closely at the mask until like right when it changed to the next scene, and so I didn't really see. Mm -hmm. Like I saw that it was reptilian, and my brain just filled in Godzilla because that made sense to me, they and I didn't really are question it. Wearing costumes that identify them, they might as well be wearing masks of their own faces <laughs> or each other's faces, just for a little fun. <laughs> Oh, God, Pop, of course, is packing, and FP gets a, you know, just a minor shotgun wound. You know, as one does. At home, Kurtz gets a punch in the face in probably the shortest scene yet. Uh, I think it's like one and a half seconds. It's very funny. What? Wait, what? Hold on, what? Oh. I need you to run that by me again, because I did so, not process what you just said. At and I the Jones help. family home, we cut to, like, a, a roughly one and a half second scene where Gladys and Jughead walk in, and Kurt says some, starts to say something, and Jughead just punches him in the face really hard. I don't remember that. Yeah, you probably blinked. It lasted <laughs> one second. I also gotta say, by the way, the soundtrack to the robbery was bananas. Um, it was They were playing surf rock. While yes, they, they were, were. They were robbing them. I was expecting yes. the scene to end with FP getting shot and then the soundtrack going, Oh, wipe out. Wipe out. I don't remember that happening either. It was. It was oh surf rock. It was, it, was, it was a really fucking weird scene. And it was just one of those, like, you know, penumbral Thursdays or whatever at Pops where they just don't turn the lights on. Right. Oh, yes. Like, because, you know, the lights are either, like, super neon or totally normal or not on at all. And I feel like this is a theme thing that they do over the week with special menu items or whatever. <laughs> <sighs> 
It does Betty get tells, really dark in that restaurant. Yeah. Betty tells Hal that the transfer is going through, and Hal has awesome line delivery on Juniper and Dagwood must be protected. <laughs> yes. Juniper and Dagwood must be protected. Hal suggests that Penelope, I'm sorry, Penelope, be uh, recruited under this protecting the babies thing, which, though she's a total creepo fart knocker, she's probably <laughs> fairly motivated what? here. I, that's what came to me when I was writing. I, 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 I felt bad. I felt bad feelings about her when 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 she was mentioned, and I needed to write something in my notes about the feelings she elicits, and I called her a total creepo fart knocker, which is like the most evocative way that I can talk about uh, Penelope uh, Blossom. But We're going to talk later about what exactly a fart knocker is, because I'm having trouble, but carry on, um, please. She manages to, quote, negotiate for one child, the boy, which she just calls Jason Jr. <laughs> Uh-oh, maybe this plan wasn't very good. Do you think that the other one, if she'd managed to get both, would have been Cheryl Jr., or would would she just continue her I hate Cheryl brigade? And I, I guess Cheryl's still alive, but still. Like Um <laughs> Should have tried to convince Jason Jr. to eat the twin. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, Jason Jr. and Jasonia. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> um Elio offers Archie a big ol' envelope of cash, and Archie says, I don't want your blood money. Wow, I wish I knew what you were referencing. That's the from Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ Superstar. Superstar. Oh, I haven't seen yeah. that. I'm sorry. Uh, Not familiar with it. I mean, I know what I know what it is, but I haven't engaged with it in any way. Anyway. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's another tiny little scene where one thing happens. <sighs> Jughead and Gladys have a war room meeting with Kurtz's unconscious body in Dilton Doily's Funker. Jughead is very upfront about Gladys destroying their lives. There, uh, there will be a benefit concert for Randy's family. Kurtz is awoken. That I guess that's just a scene in the middle of another scene where they cut in and then cut right back. There will be a benefit concert for Randy's family. Yeah. Kurtz is awoken via water to the face. Something fucking about a Cyclops being next up on the G&G quest. Dude, I was trying so hard to figure out who the fuck had only one eye on this show, and I was completely flabbergasted at the reveal. Yeah, no, we'll get there. Josie's dad no-shows, how shocking. Archie finds Elio with no bodyguards and says, I will, in fact, be taking that money now. Thank you. Thank you very much. Kurtz takes Jughead and Gladys to meet with the now one-eyed Penny Peabody, who's alive. Yeah, I, um, I, was, I was shocked. I thought that uh, bitch died, like, a season ago. So, mutilating this woman is weirdly a family tradition for the Joneses now. Yeah. Um, Have all three of them done it at this point? No, FP and Jellybean need to catch up. Okay. Unless some fucked up backstory is still in the offing. But, uh, anyway, they are to fight with fucking Psy, like Raphael of Ninja Turtles fame. That's a thing that needs to happen. You know, the Psy, the famously... See, for me, uh, it made me Famously think of... Western European medieval weapon that fits with G&G really well. It made me think of Electra, but... Yeah. That's all I got. That's my only commentary uh, here. Josie, of course, of course, starts her music performance so that this upcoming fight can have disjunctive musical Ugh. accompaniment. Okay, hold on, by the way. This is when I needed to pump the brakes. Because they're still holding this show after an armed robbery took place in there? Yeah. Not I guess the, long the ago? cops either, they didn't want to have the cops come. Or they came and went and it was no big deal. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, supposedly this has been within 24 hours of the of the robbery. Well, 
think about where adherence to like a very similar procedural thing would rank in the list of priorities and then consider where disjunctive musical accompaniment for an action sequence would fit You're so on right. that same list. You're so right. And you will see exactly why mm-hmm. Josie sings a song for them to stab each other to. Yep. Yep. All three cats are here now. Fantastic. Gladys and Penelope Peabody do just the most ridiculous spinny fiddly sigh who, fight who, ever. Who? who is it? Gladys and Penny Peabody. You said Penelope Peabody. Oh, did I? You did. Too many peas. <laughs> Penelope Peabody. <laughs> <laughs> Penelope P P P P uh, do the most ridiculous spinny fiddly fight ever, managing a heroic amount of not stabbing one another with any of the twelve stabbing options available to the two ladies. Uh, Jughead is like, "Hey, you won. You don't need to kill her." And Gladys settles for kneecapping her. What the <laughs> fuck? I mean, did Penelope did. Penny, I'm sorry, Peabody, <laughs> due to the writers. This has to be an inside joke, right? I that, mean, like, every time she shows up, she gets horribly maimed. To be fair, Penny Peabody fucking sucks, but... Yeah, uh, but, like, there's a lot of people who suck in this show, and they don't get literally maimed every time they, they show should. their face on... Yeah, of Maybe course, they but, should. But I'm saying this has the feeling of an inside joke where it's like every time this character shows up, we're going to horribly injure her. I have no idea. I feel like this actress is so familiar to me and I was looking at her IMDb last night. She is in a single episode of each of two other shows that I have watched. Hmm. And so I'm like, why does her face make me feel the way that I feel when I recognize somebody that I've seen a lot. I can't figure it out. Anyway, doesn't matter. Just, she's got a, she's got a face. <laughs> at the, the, uh, at the end of the stabbing in a song, Josie's dad is actually there applauding. Hooray. Obviously, Josie is leaving this show. <laughs> um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Social work friend shows up. Turns out Evelyn is Edgar's 26-year-old wife. Bom, bom. Uh, and it's funny because one of the implications of this scene is that he is now escalating things to the crime of double marriage. Yeah. Well, and like just the idea that like, oh, she's actually his wife and she's actually older than she has been saying. Like, this is played as a huge reveal that's supposed to floor us. And it's like, who cares? Like, yeah, they're a cult and they've been creepy for like since the third episode of the first season, it fucking feels like now. I mean, like, I'm more upset about the fact that he probably married her when she was 16 than I am about like literally anything else that happens in this scene. But it's just like this, this development that they're hiding someone's identity or like whatever, like... Who cares? I'm sorry. Like, I mean, if you'd spent like two seconds looking at the screen when both Evelyn and Edgar were there together, you could have guessed this. They constantly make fuck me eyes at each other. Constantly. Like, and it's it's less creepy now. Yeah. It's, but it's it just, better now. <laughs> this is played like this was a huge reveal and it's like, yeah, we already know it's a creepy cult and they lie about stuff. Like... And in fact, we sort of already found out about this specific lie in this episode. But now a person said it again. Ah! Jughead tallies the damage to the GM. Kurtz. Gladys has a broken arm and a ruptured kindy. And FP's got a gunshot uh, ruptured wound. Ruptured <laughs> I'm not. Look. Look. Some creative endeavors are worth re-saying things when you fuck them up. Oh, this I'm, is not. I know. And, and, some, and some creative endeavors recap Riverdale. 
Kindy. <laughs> uh. Oh, my poor mind. Uh, he agrees to let Kurtz drive him blindfolded to some next location okay, instead this... of instead of just beating the shit out of him. What the fuck? This one got me. I like. He says to take me there, or instruct me there. He's obviously, he's engaged in a threat when he says this. He's threatening him. And then Kurtz is like, sure, but you gotta put this blindfold on, and uh, I'm gonna drive us there. And guess what? You're gonna jerk me off while we do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Jughead's like, okay, that sounds fair. Totally like, normal. Are you sure that that sounds fair? That sounds very unfair to me. I I literally don't understand how he didn't... Like, here's the thing. We already showed him punching this man in the face this very episode. It's not like he has a qualm against it. Yeah. Yeah, stupid. Josie's dad agrees to take her on tour. She's out of here. Good for her. Yeah, maybe that's... No such luck for us. Yeah. Archie gives Elio's money to Randy's sister. Cool. Betty and Tony break into the fully unsecured cult compound to get Juniper back. Um, but it turns out that the farm has flipped Tony. She is a double agent no more. Alice turns out to be super okay with the whole cult sister wives thing, and the cult just literally starts chanting, join us. Yeah. I, Betty runs away. <laughs> so I thought funny. it was funny that um, everyone else like entirely changes the way they dress, and Tony is still wearing like skin-tight uh sweatsuits just they're white now which was very funny to me um <laughs> that's it also that's we can't let this go by without uh acknowledging like arlie and i were saying earlier during the join us speech edgar's like saying that a bunch of people are here he's like your mother's here your best friend kevin's here what he your principal is, is here everyone in your life <laughs> is here <laughs> Everyone close to you is here. And he names mother, best friend, principal, cousin. cousin. Well, your principal is your principal, Arlie. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Kurtz drives Jughead, blindfolded once again, to a junkyard where a gargoyle refrigerator and a griffin refrigerator await. One, Jughead is informed is Jellybean, and the other one is his doom! But they're both empty, because why the fuck wouldn't they be? Why did Jughead think this was a good why? idea or would work? It's Jughead so is forced bad. at gunpoint into one of the fridges, naturally... Once this is managed, uh, uh, hold on. But okay, okay, you have to you have to say what Kurt says. I don't remember what Kurt says. Help me out. The Hellcaster has been contained. Is that what it is? No, he says get in the ice tomb. I forgot. About that. <laughs> Fuck. I'm gonna start referring to my fridge exclusively yes, as an ice, as the ice, ice tomb. tomb. Sorry, I not gotta, as gotta get an it. ice tomb, but the ice tomb. Yeah, after uh, after we get, maybe we do a little mid mid break after this episode, and I will get a Capri Sun for myself out of the ice tomb. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, so, I need water desperately. Also, I feel like I might be physically dying. Um, I'll probably uh, make it through a second episode, but we'll see. Naturally, once Jughead is entombed uh kurtz orders ricky to kill jellybean on the phone right where jughead can hear (laughs) you may kill the princess (laughs) and when jughead escapes kurtz is all murdered on the ground and the fucking gargoyle king whoever or whatever that fucking is at this point 
uh, is standing right there. Uh, he runs home to Jellybean, and Ricky just left. He was ordered on the phone to kill her by his gang like leader or superior, and we we go home, and he is not there because he simply left. And that, like, I think that that was pre-planned is the sense that I got from it. Is he knew Ricky knew that when he said that he just has to dip. What's happening? who even knows anymore i did we miss a plot line where ricky is rebelling against the gang no i think that it was just to fuck with jughead yes i think that it was kurtz decided that it would be a lot funnier to make jughead temporarily believe that jellybean was dead than actually kill her he thinks that it's a funny point thing where he has to actually do. told ricky when i say this don't actually do it yes <laughs> okay right all right that's the code word uh we get the obligatory jarchi breakup scene due to imminent musical touring and uh actor uh contract non-extension <sighs> josie literally says the words we're not Endgame," which it's in all honesty to make us ma- think ma- of veronica yeah it-, it made me squirt some bile up into my mouth and my sinuses mm. it wasn't a good feeling i also think that it's supposed to make us think about the marvel cinematic universe i mm. oh god it's not. That's, I just you that's, you that's said that, Quinns. I don't like that. Forced me to <laughs> contemplate that there are still people, a lot of them, who really care about that. I oh, am yeah. friends with some of them, uh, and I just have to mute them. I don't. I love uh-huh. them, Jamie. And if you hear this, it's not that I don't love you. It's that Marvel's really fucking annoying. Yeah, it's but mostly we're quite not bad. Endgame, and you see that look in Archie's eyes. And you can see that he wants to lick his lips because he's thinking about that Thanussi. <laughs> that what? Thanussi. Thanos pussy. <laughs> it's, it's where Ant-Man goes. So he can, he can get full yeah. size. <laughs> yeah, so he can go up his ass and, and grow and, and make him blast rope. Yes, we've been through this. jump ropes again <laughs> yeah nature itself is is, is uh, <laughs> protesting against this shit jughead visits gladys in the hospital wishing to keep the family together which at this point seems insane and really weird for his character motivations and uh gina not gladys is like i'm not getting into a long-term contract with this fucking show are you kidding me i am leaving yeah, no. goodbye yeah. gina's like i'm not no dude get no, me out of here no no way absolutely not so jellybean will stay and gladys will make herself scarce for a while again good for her <sighs> elio and hiram have a sweaty betoweled villain meetup in the steam room i don't like how much hiram likes to be sweaty and nude around boys yeah it's real bad um, I did. I did Consistent. find myself thinking, though, about uh, how Mark Consuelos is a very, a very attractive man uh, during this scene. Oh, sure. I'd love to twist yes. his nips. I was about to say you something like both more and less explicit than that, but I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad that you said that because that's way fucking funnier. Good I, job. I yep. do. Uh, even if you cut it out, I do need to hear what the thing was going to be, though. I just said I want to suck his dick. Like, but no, that's, that's so much better. Jesus. Um, how tall he is? I, I, do any of us know how tall he is? I'm just thinking about that now. I wonder how tall he is. I'm going to look it up. Don't worry about it. I'm going to find out. Anyway. I have some weird energy right now. 
Elio uses the Riverdale Reaper nickname he himself made up to describe Archie <laughs> and his mean streak, which, which strikes me as Elio being just the biggest fucking loser nerd. Yeah. He, he needs he this totally to stick. Is. He's, he's trying so hard. Also, um, Mark Consuelos is five foot eight, and he has been married to Kelly Ripa longer than I have been alive, and I think that's kind of cute. Anyway. <sighs> Veronica convinces Archie to not give up boxing, which takes surprisingly little effort. After his vow mm-hmm. earlier in the episode. Oh, so I want to circle back here. I got so distracted thinking about Hiram Lodge's um, nipples that I forgot <laughs> to mention that they do talk in this scene about how there's two Archie Andrews. Um, and it's funny because, like, on the one hand, it's they think that they're making, like, a statement about the writing that they've done and the faces that Archie puts forward. When, in fact, it feels as much, if not more, to me, like they are admitting that they are not very good at writing these characters. Yeah. Yeah. I also just think it's funny because the Archie comics are still running and putting stuff out. And so maybe maybe Archie comics was like, hey, you need to say this in your show so people don't think that this is the same Archie in the Archie comics because this shit blows real bad. Um, that's probably not it what does. it was, but it would make me laugh very much if we it were true. get a tearful family goodbye scene for Gladys, which, given the level of tenderness, makes her leaving further not make any sense, except for the fact that she would not want to be on this fucking show. Like, mm-hmm. what she said was that, like, Fred is... Fred. FP is too mad at her, uh, so she needs to go for a while, but, like, FP is, like, completely fine with her in this scene and, like, obviously is going to miss her. Like, the scene is just played as though the conflict that has caused this situation to happen does not exist. It's very strange, because she's leaving, they don't need to, like, linger on anything having meaning, right? So they're just like, alright, it's bananas. We are then informed of a prisoner transfer bus accident, that old chestnut. Veronica says that there were no survivors, and she's wrong. Uh, Black Hood's back, baby, is what I wrote. Uh, here. I don't know for sure that that's actually true, but, like, no one has ever said that there were no survivors in a prisoner bus transfer accident and ever fucking been right, ever in the history of Hollywood. And we didn't see the body, and this is adapted from comic books, so I feel like we do have to use comic book rules. If you do not see the dead body, it's not dead. Correct, so... character's not dead. Where you said the Black Hood is back, I have Hal died in a car crash off-screen, parentheticals, no he didn't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> do i have notes about this i don't think i do probably not oh my god I that's don't. the end of this episode my this last note a- was about was uh why does the principle matter that was the last note i took on this episode Damn. and then i okay. stopped uh <laughs> i don't i just i just don't know folks like i'm gonna be straight with you here i did not write down a river do like I couldn't figure one out going through this episode. It I'm was so the only bad. Person with one pre-prepared. I I like, spent literally ten minutes just looking at the notes and looking at the screen on like the last frame of the second episode that we watched in this chunk, and like I couldn't think of anything that I liked about this episode. Mine, I I can say, is that they resolved any single one plot. That they resolved a plot for once. And that is writing Josie off the show and getting Gladys out. Oh, writing Josie off the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were some ends of stories, sorta. Yeah. Wow. 
Good. Excellent work, Quinn. You got one. Um, I like that Jughead punched Kurtz. I like that. That was yeah, good. Fair enough. That's a good one. I, um, I'm keeping that. I'm writing it down so I don't forget. Good. Riverdue. Does yeah. it matter? No. I'm doing uh, it anyway. My Riverdue, like, despite the fact that I've been burned on this a million times and in fact sworn off of it, but the pickings <laughs> are so slim. Here is just that the prisoner transfer bus accident. I love that like stupid overused horror movie trope. It's very good. I love that it's used here. I love the idea of Hal being on the loose because just a guy running around who kills people <laughs> would be way more interesting than anything else that's happened in this fucking show since they started trying to make G&G not just be the devil's game and start being, like, about drugs and gangs and stuff. Yeah. Like, I feel like season three was almost good, and then it just fell, it, like, tripped and fell backwards into season two. Uh, yeah. And then, and then somehow got even more unhinged. Uh, but, like, basically since a couple episodes after the 90s episode, I've really felt disillusioned with this season, uh, even as Drek. And the idea of a guy just running around murdering people is at least maybe I'll feel something. <laughs> I can vibe with that. That's that's a that's a decent one. Mm -hmm. What's River Don't Quinn? That one's gonna oh, be easier to find. Yeah, um, it's sort of a corollary to uh the the River Do, or rather, it is like the Don't is the rule that the Do is the exception to. Okay. Okay. Um, Sure. Because they're stuck in a cycle of endless escalation. Like, you can't ever get a, a breather, but the escalation doesn't ever feel like it has any weight or grounding. Because it doesn't arrive. Because it doesn't, right. So it for me, with this episode specifically, it's the, the shit with the farm. They just keep escalating the farm stuff. And they they busted through the ceiling so far, like so far back that it's beyond anything that I have like the capability of even pretending to care about. Lest we forget, Riverdale, the town, was quarantined by the government due to, like, a supernatural seizure illness. And, like, am I making this up in my mind, or was Hiram standing in the same room as the Gargoyle King? Uh, no. I thought he was, was right? He? Fuck, I don't even remember. <laughs> yeah, like, obviously know. the shit that they do does not matter Clearly and doesn't come not. to anything. Like, yeah, couldn't agree more. All right, Arlie, what sucked? Uh, as much as I love that Josie gets to leave the show, that, like, Ashley Murray gets to leave the show, she's free, I did not <laughs> like the storyline with Josie's dad. Like... It was it was so perfunctory. It made me mad because I, I, I don't like that he just gets to not give a shit about her and she's still, like... I don't know. It, just, it didn't make me mad so much as it made me fucking sad. Because um, Josie deserves better. I don't know. That's it. That's the whole thing. She deserves better. Yeah. But at least she doesn't have to be on this fucking show anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a runner-up Riverdone, which is just because I don't want to complain about this officially as my Riverdone every single time. But my God, the pacing. The pacing of this show, the way that scenes don't happen. It's just individual beats. Like, you're never allowed to, like, have people react to stuff or process stuff or, or, or do the next thing. Remember in the first season... Um, when they used to have those, like, walk and talks that would last for, like, three or four minutes. Oh, those were the days. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> like, it's, it's almost, it, the, this structure of writing the show robs us of any ability to even try to give a fuck about 
characters or plot lines because they don't happen. Yeah. It's like it's like it's like a bad show versus tell because the, it's it may as well just be a person in a room stating a series of declarative sentences about what happens in the story. It is a Wikipedia article. Yeah. Just filmed because there's no time for resonance for anything or development because it is just one thing and then another thing somewhere else. Yeah, but that's a runner-up because that's just gonna stick around for fucking ever. So my actual river don't is that Tony is allied with the farm now, and I just I'm sick of people like off-screen getting brainwashed into mm-hmm. loving the farm because it's boring now. It's happened yeah. so many times. We've never once seen how it actually happens or how it works or what they offer or what it is. We will, but like I'm just. I'm just sick of it. We did it with Kevin. We did it with Cheryl. Now we've done it with Tony. We've done it with Alice. We've done it with like every fucking character the who's not in a boxing or drugs plot. I also, we did it, and we so, did it with Principal Weatherby. Principal Weatherby. <laughs> right. I do have to Most say. Most importantly. Thinking again back to the whole, your best friend Kevin's here. What about her her other best friends who she actually spends all of her time with? Yeah. Yeah. And her boyfriend, yeah. who is also a very good friend of hers. Like. Yeah. I. I but. Just, I'm tired of not having anything to hold on to with the farm because they're taking over the whole town and the whole show and it's all off screen and it's all informed and it's all bullshit. The only thing <laughs> we ever so actually just see just is them trying to get to Betty and like- Miserably the failing? The fact that they have absorbed more people. Like, not them absorbing more people, but the fact that it has happened. That's yeah, what we, we see is the aftermath we, of it. We have no real sense of how any of this works. And so it's not really scary. Like All we know is that Edgar whispers at people like he's about to bust and that that doesn't yeah. work on Betty at all. She's like, and that's all we know. Old. And then she leaves. Right. Um, but the, yeah. <sighs> the pacing is a, a strong point just on account of, I mean, that that's mostly what I was complaining about at the start of the episode is the, the pacing makes everything feel so much worse. Yeah. It it makes it makes it overwhelming while also making it in a sensory way, not a significance way. It makes it overwhelming while making it underwhelming. It makes it mm-hmm. unpleasant in a sensory way to go through while also robbing it of all meaning and resonance. Right. What if we hit you with a daily? It's it's like almost a perfectly crafted creative process to make a product that sucks. What if every thirty five seconds we showed you a more different boring shit? Oh my yeah. god, I figure it's like scrolling Twitter. Yeah. This show is watching this show is like scrolling Twitter. Objectively worse. Yeah, there's nothing fun or there are no like cute raccoons on this That's show. That's true. I've got I've got bots set up on my Twitter. Mm. Every hour I get a picture of a wolf, a picture of a raccoon, a picture of a fox, a picture of a red panda, and a picture of a possum. <laughs> You were living the good life, my friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we talked about rules. this in the last episode too. Yeah, I think we did. God, did we? <laughs> yeah. Clearly, that this show hurts me and makes me want to think about my cute animal <laughs> pictures. Yeah. Oh God, I would literally be—I would be so happy to be thinking about anything else. Because Riverdale fucking sucks. What a good show! I keep telling people that this is a review podcast, but I should just tell people it's therapy that it's just three people shitting on the show for an hour and eight minutes. That's <sighs> how be a far little shorter, we But yep. yeah. Uh, Weirds. Weekly weirds? Weirds. Yeah. Weirds of the week. Weekly weirds. I had trouble with this one. So um, I'm going to say that my, my uh, runner up here is like 
more naked, sweaty Hiram stuff. It's just really weird that he keeps doing that with boys. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't like that very much. It feels weird. Yeah, um, that's fair. And like that whole scene kind of sits there because of the two Archies thing. Um, but I am ultimately going to come down and say forcing <laughs> two middle-aged women to fight near to death with thighs is pretty strange. <laughs> It sure was a scene we watched. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, mine, of course, as neither of you are probably surprised by this. Oh, the waterfront rooms. <laughs> 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 he says it like, like that's what they should be calling it. Like they should know that that's what they're called. The waterfront rooms. Yeah. yeah. Hiram, I guess the yeah. waterfront rooms. Fuck. God, that's it. That's the whole thing. That's that's good. My weekly weird is the witch's curse that Penny Peabody has <laughs> had befallen on herself that every time she shows her face, she must be horribly injured. <laughs> this d- Jughead fell out of a, like, high-rise building window, like, a while ago. And, like, other people are getting shot and stuff and, and doing all these obscene risk things. But, but no one gets it as brutally as Penny, Penny Peabody's does. the one who's gonna get hurt. Like, she doesn't just get hurt in, like, a normal way. She gets hurt in, like... She loses body parts sadistic. and, like, permanently scarred. Like, like, it's so sadistic and just gruesome the way that they hurt her. And, I mean, it's just... it's. Have either of you seen Hannibal? Yes. I have. It's no. like Chilton. Like no, it, it turns into else, a it no. turns into a running joke at some point. Like, oh look, he got horribly hurt again. God. I was thinking of a different thing. I have not actually seen Hannibal, but it's on the list. Um, okay. Holy fucking shit balls! That's the end. God. We made it. We're still alive. Uh, barely. I uh, <sighs> is that good or bad? You decide, <sighs> listener. We'll be back next time with Season 3, Episode 20, Chapter 55, Prom Night! Directed by David Katzenberg, written by Britta London, your girl Britta London, and Devin Turner. For River Do's and River Don'ts, I've been Rob! I've been I'm, Quinn. <laughs> I, I have been Arlie. And this show sucks.